Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast. I'm doing an interview with Josh here, who's done a lot in the investing space, and uh, we'll be able to talk about that here soon. But he's also recently uh, found the options market. I'm doing a lot with that. And so uh, he's had some um, really good success with it and then kind of got drawn down in the recent markets as we all have been, especially if you're in the program, you know, trading these choppy markets are really hard and you have to be very careful how you set up options trade. So I really want to go through and share Josh's story and what brought him into the investing world and his stocks and then how we slowly transition into options so enough about me talking josh uh what would you like to share about yourself to get the audience to know you a bit better yeah of course thanks austin for having me on i'm really excited to talk to this because options has has been a a new tool in my tool belt for uh investing i have been in sales for the past 12 years fresh out of college used to do medical sales and then got into software ad tech sales and that allowed me to get the capital to actually invest uh, both in the stock market real estate and of course the the hated word crypto which i do explore a little bit but it allowed me to get in there and really start to learn uh, the different ways to create additional income outside your your w2 i'm also uh, an avid adrenaline junkie maybe that's self-proclaimed and also a pilot uh, which is actually kind of covering the picture behind me but a whole bunch of extra stuff outside of it keeping mind fresh instead of just uh, investing that's awesome yeah uh flying is something that i've always wanted to learn how to do so i'll have to consult you when i want to do more on that um but yeah so uh, obviously you're in you you have your hand in a lot of different areas of putting your money to work for you um but how exactly did you get into okay stocks like i know it's a thing but i actually want to do it and how did that come about yeah. So I, my, my first introduction really to stocks was probably my 401k, which I think is a lot of people. And my parents didn't really do much outside of their 401k retirement. So I went through all of college expecting that was how I was going to invest in the stock market. I graduated, got into medical scales. I survived my first seven months, got a promotion to sales rep. And that's when you really start to make some money. And at that point I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta find somewhere else to invest this stuff, the money, that, the extra discretionary income I was having and started doing research outside of the 401k. And that's where I started to invest in my first self-managed brokerage. And then also uh, playing around in both the traditional and the Roth IRA. And I actually, I, I, I wrote a book and I do have one of the chapters in there talking about how I think I lost $12,000 when I first started investing, because there wasn't really much of a metric. Like now I'm looking for three to 5% yields for dividend uh, companies and a dividend growth of seven to 10%, that kind of stuff. I wasn't doing that. I was like, this, this is a cool blue chip stock that was a dividend aristocrat. Screw it. Let's go ahead and do it. And then I let my emotions take over, but that's how I got started into it. And then been investing, I think since probably 2011 got out for a little bit to get into real estate and then in 2018 jumped back in yeah cool i mean i know when i started my investing journey um i kind of learned the same thing where i'm more of like let's just jump in and we'll figure it out in the process <laughs> and you end up losing a lot of money but you learn a lot um, yes. And so there's always those two diff different types of people, those who are like, okay, let's jump in and learn. And then those who are like, okay, let's learn everything, but then they typically wait too long to actually get involved. So it sounded like you actually jumped in. So that's awesome. I think action, taking action is one of the biggest things, no matter where you're putting your, your money to work. Um, so you kind of mentioned that you started off just going after normal stocks that you probably saw ev like everyone else buying saying they're, uh, they're safe or something like that. And then you moved into dividends and looking for specific growth metrics. Could you explain like what you look for right now when you're going for an investment and a stock? Like what are, what are the dividends? What's What's that? 
Yeah. So I, I've actually transferred a lot of the individual stocks that I have are actually more ETFs now. And, okay. and I'm sure plenty of people that are watching are familiar with that. It's basically just a bucket of stocks and you get, I think there's an argument for both. A lot of people talk about them being so diversified, but then at the other end of the spectrum is you're getting access to stocks that really don't make up much of the, the market cap for that ETF. Um, but it's easier to manage. And that typically is beating most advisors. So my big pitch for myself now has always been get away from the 2%, 1% fee for uh, other advising services. I'm not going to name any names, but um, I did jump in and that's how I actually got started with the 401k and IRAs. And I just, there was, makes no sense if you can just invest the same amount and drip into those ETFs. Um, in terms of dividends, I did play around with like AbV, Johnson & Johnson, um, AT&T, which if you watch Seeking Alpha at all, you'll see people just rip apart AT&T, but primarily it was for the dividend um, and management. But what I look for typically is that 3 to 5% dividend yield, right? Uh, the payout ratio between 30 and about 70%. And the only reason means that there's probably a little more room to, to grow and they're not paying that out completely. Uh, and then I also make sure that there is some kind of dividend growth to it. So seven to 10% uh, dividend growth over 10 years it are, are my, my big things. I also pay attention, and this is why it's easier to just track a couple of stocks. I think I, when I first lost a whole bunch of money, I was trying to pay attention to like 15 stocks. And that's why I started shrinking things down. It's hard. I have a day job. I've got a little bit of a side hustle. I enjoy my hobbies. It's tough. So that's why I transitioned really into the, the ETFs um, and pay attention to those metrics a little a little easier. So obviously um, I got my bachelor's in finance, so I understand what you're talking about, all these numbers, but a lot of people may not. Um, so is there a tool or website that you use to see these numbers in an easy way without having to go through like all the balance sheets and statements and stuff? Yeah, of course. And really for the balance sheet stuff, I've still, I think being in the startup space, I'm a little more familiar, but it is still tough. So I actually use Seeking Alpha is a really good website that I pay attention to. I've actually got the paid version and I link my portfolio to it because they'll send you alerts. The, the secret to Seeking Alpha, in my opinion, is not just the articles because people always have bias and people always have different ways of reading stuff. But the comment section is always a beautiful thing because people come in and, and provide some really good insight, positive or negative, and it makes you kind of think through stuff. So if I can't read a full article on there, I'll actually go straight to the bottom. Uh, Market Watch is another good one. So whenever I'm, I'm, I actually have a little Google sheet that I track all of my, both my cost basis, uh, the dividend itself when it's actually announced and that kind of thing. Uh, and I'll actually make sure that I have that kind of stuff, like price to earnings ratio, that kind of thing on that sheet. Um, and I get that from MarketWatch. Cool. Awesome. So um, obviously you just gave out these specifics of your dividends and what, and what you look for for that. And you mentioned ETFs, which is by default, a very diversified holding. Um, for instance, if you go with SPY, it has over 500 stocks in it, right? And so you're very, you have a, you have, you're in a lot of stocks in every different type of sector. Um, so because most e, e, uh, ETFs are like that, is that, is there something that you look for in an ETF or do you just go for the big ones or, or do you stick with like different sectors? Like how do you look at an ETF? Yeah. So it's a little bit of, of, of both those last things you said. So I think sector and then uh, the actual yield it, itself too. So what's going on with the the ETF? So my big ones are VYM, so Vanguard's high yield. I've got VPU, which is their utilities, right? So the, the different sectors here. Um, and then I also have VOO, which is essentially the S&P 500. Um, and I actually have VTI in my uh, Roth. Uh, some of the performance indicators, I was, I was kind of taking a peek at both. And I think the the growth itself was higher for VTI, but dividend was higher for VO. I can't remember the actual metrics, but basically mm -hmm. I tried to line it up where 
the stuff that I'm not going to touch and mess with and not do any kind of options on are going to stay in my Roth. And then everything else is in my self-managed brokerage. Uh, so those are the three, the real ETFs. So they're, of course, Vanguard. Um, I've seen plenty of articles on uh, Vanguard's uh, BYM isn't as great as a couple other high yield dividend uh, ETFs, which is okay. I'm not looking for the best, but they do have a very long history of of performing. And I think a decent amount of management too, which is the other thing. Um, I haven't I haven't been around and in investing to see an ETF. Um, I forget the actual word for it, but basically dissolve. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have to worry about that with those. Okay. So you would say you pick like Vanguard, like VOO over SPY because of the company and the historical like performance. Like, you know, that they're not going anywhere. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, So obviously that's how you invest, which is awesome. If we, I think everyone, regardless of if they're trading or not, should have long-term funds that they don't touch and hopefully a broad market index or something like that. At least I do. Um, just because trading, you know, varies as, as you know, and anyone listening to this podcast who's traded before knows. Um, so tell me how that transition from your long-term mindset of investing to how did you discover, hmm, okay, maybe I should try this crazy thing called options. And uh, so how, how did that work for you? Yeah, I, I actually share this story all the time because I, it, it shows a couple of things. One, I'm, I'm 34, right? And I listened to one of my friends who was, I believe he was 22 at the time, 23 at the time. And it, I, at first I was almost closed off because I was the old guy that has done this before. But really what happened in the back of my head, I was thinking to myself, oh, what all the financial advisors had said, what all the, all the people who had heard about options, but never actually used them about how risky it was. And there is obviously a point to this because part of what you do for credit spreads is you know mitigate risk. It is risky. You can lose money. There's there's something to it, but you can also make a bunch of money. And so my friend actually got into Robinhood and started playing with that. And he told me all about covered calls. And it took about maybe a month or two before I finally heard he, I think he like said it in passing that he had made another 200 bucks on, I think it was like lucid. And I was like, well, this is ridiculous. I gotta, I gotta sit down. So he came over, we spent a Friday night actually. And he, he walked me through Robin hood and just how to essentially place a covered call. Cause I already had a portfolio. So I was like, let's, let's go the easy route. And I feel that's one of the least risky ways of getting into options, even if you don't understand anything. And that was easy for me. Right. So it's basically betting that uh, something's going to go in a certain direction. So that following Monday, I placed my, my first one. And I, I believe it was on uh, either AT&T or Johnson and Johnson. And they ended up making like, I don't know, 50 bucks. It wasn't bad, but nothing, nothing happened. I didn't have to do any crazy things. I didn't have to buy to close it or anything like that. I didn't have to roll it. And uh, that's how I got started. And I think I started in August of that year. And I believe it was 2021. Yeah. And uh, I made $4,500 that, that year till the end of the year. And it was without margin. So I did not use a margin account. I was just 4,500 bucks. And I was like, wow, okay, this is going to get fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I think for people who are more on the safer side who enjoy investing, I think uh, covered calls is one of the first approaches they learn, typically because it's very safe, but also they already have shares in another company. So like, oh, well, might as well leverage those shares. Um, and if you're ever scared, you can just close it. But yeah, I know I love that story. It's awesome having like, okay, I need to learn this and kind of try it out. And then like, oh, well, I, I did a lot uh, in my first year, um, or at least the first 
portion of it. And so how has that continued to go for you? Are you still mainly doing credit spreads or how is that looking with your current por portfolio? Yeah, so I, I haven't even started with credit spreads yet. So I I mean, we, we met in FibCon, which was really cool. And then I uh, started to see you on YouTube and what you were talking through. And just the video that you just posted made me made me kind of think, well, I got to probably go do a little bit more research. So my option story was the following year, I explored a Vanguard margin account, which does have actually a higher rate than I would say like Robinhood. I still use Robinhood, but Robinhood has been my kind of like my real-time update for data. It's really easy to what's going on with the premium, the actual bid-ass spread. And that, that's been really helpful, especially if I'm doing it on Vanguard. I haven't moved everything over. I don't think I will just because again, like Vanguard's been around for a while. They have my Roth, the retirement stuff. So it's easier to sit right there and do that. Uh, 2022, I made $20,000 in uh, options. And that was a big year. If everybody remembers 2022, it was also, um, I think, a big up year for a lot of people, maybe a little sideways, but it was still like a pretty positive market year. And all I was doing was selling calls and then selling puts. Uh, so selling covered calls and then selling puts. And so uh, one one thing uh, in the money, Adam kind of talks about it. So I really tried to do a little bit of research and uh, the, the basically the real easy wheel strategy, right? Like sell a put, bet against the stock. If you lose, you do have to put the money up front you get the the option and then you go ahead and sell calls on it. Um, I was able to do that in 2022. And then this year happened. <laughs> it went the other direction. And I think not understanding all the Greeks as well as I should, and I'm still learning them, um, but not paying attention to what uh, implied volatility was a big one for me. That that didn't make sense for me uh, because all of a sudden your premium would be absolutely destroyed. You're like, this is going in the right direction. Why am I not making money from this? Um, and then uh, time decay was another one that I, I kind of had to wrap my head around when you were buying calls or selling calls, like how it's going to impact you. So still learning in process, but basically started out this year down pretty hardcore. Um, I'm now up only $138, but I think that's just one, letting my emotions get the best of me in some of these, these plays. And then two, not paying attention to the metrics when I probably should be. Um, so again, still up, but it's a slightly different year than it was last year. Yeah. So um, is there anything that you look at charting wise? Like, do you just look at a chart or is it really just, okay, if I don't have shares, then I'm going to do a put. If I do have shares, I'm going to do a covered call. Yeah. So a, a little bit of both. I think uh, the, the covered calls, I'm a little, uh, a little more cautious with. I'll typically do out of the money stuff because I, um, I don't really want to get rid of those. Um, mm -hmm. Now for the, the the things like Open Door is one of my big ones, uh, the real estate company. And Lucid, I still have a, a relatively high cost basis of. Um, and I do place in the money covered calls. And that's just because premium is a lot higher. And I do think that the there's... There, there's a spot for the stock to go down, which does come into play in terms of the uh, the actual chart. I'll typically pay attention to support over uh, a month, three months, and then a year. Um, and that's only because of what's going on. I don't fully understand like the head and shoulders and a lot of those uh, other things. I do have books on my bookshelf, which is on the other side of my office here, but I do pay attention or, or want to go read on that kind of stuff. But right now, and that's probably why I haven't gotten into things like credit spreads um, mm -hmm. in terms of like your max win and loss. Uh, but that's just because of the current strategy where I'm at. So I, I think probably a little bit of both of those.
Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, I guess even though you kind of had a rough start and then you made your way back into profits, um, is this something that you see yourself continuing to add or do with your your portfolio moving forward or how 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 is that going to look? Yeah, 100%. I, I will not take this out. I think I did an article on my website too. And I, I, I will always be a proponent of options. I will probably always share this story too, because there is, I think, a lot of education that you can do on options. I think you can always be learning here. And then I think it's a, it's a daily test for a trader. Like, well, you're, I would say, I would call you probably trade even more than I do, but if it's just an extra tool in your tool belt for additional income, you have to be able to fight your own emotions every single day. It's wild, but it, it, it's, you have to trust a lot of the stuff that you learn. And if you don't know it, uh, it makes it really, really tough. So I, I think this is going to be part of my income source, uh, hopefully an early retirement here, but uh, it will always be part of my, my income for sure. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's what's one thing that I love about trading is that it makes you or forces you again, if you want to make money, if you want to lose money, you don't have to, but it forces you to be self-aware. Like, when do I get scared? When do I not get scared? How do I navigate this? And so that's the fun part that trading kind of elicits from you. Um, but yeah, no, that that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that's going to be a part of your money making type of approach, even if it's a small portion of your account, that's still a nice thing to have in retirement as you move towards that. Um, I guess, what else are your goals with your investment and pushing towards free re retirement? Like, are you wanting to like scale up your stock, scale up options, scale up real estate? Like, what does it look like for you moving forward since you're only in your 30s and you're probably going to retire what like around like 40 50 something and so what does that next 20 years look like i would hope i would hope a little bit earlier that's okay. definitely the plan um i've always been a a financial independence retire early kind of guy i don't like to retire early because i think i don't know if i'll ever stop working but mm -hmm. at least being able to have the income to cover my bills that my w2 covers and pick where you spend your time so I think for me, uh, real estate has always been a big thing that, that, that first foray into the stock market, I used a lot of the gains and got into my first property and I've done cash out refinances and gotten into a couple other multifamilies and, uh, even the good old fashioned, like house hacks do an FHA loan, live in it, rent it out. And so I, it's been a little more challenging right now with the real estate market and I've still been investing though, but it's actually through REITs. So Realty Income has a big, been a big, a big one for me. And then uh, Vanguard, of course, has VNQ. Uh, so the the dividends on those are just wild because the payout ratios are higher for REITs. Um, I, I forget the actual rule or law behind it, but I think REITs have to pay out almost 80 or 90% uh, as, as dividend income. Um, there's also some additional tax stuff with uh, REITs that are a little different, but you still get to dip your toe in real estate. So I want to continue doing that. I would like to get back into the uh, the brick and mortar stuff as well, but I, I do have to... I have to see rates for a normal human being like myself uh, to, to wait for the rates to stabilize just a little bit. And um, I mean, when I first started investing, it was 4.5, 4.7. So 5% is realistic versus the threes that we were in. Mm -hmm. And uh, stock market, yeah, I'll continue to, to drip into the ETFs and build that. I think last year I was at $2,400 in dividend income. I'm tracking at $3,450 right now for the year. So small amount of of dividend income but i'd like that stuff to replace my uh my living costs eventually 
So we've, or I should say, I'm living in this world like everyone else's, and there's a lot going on. And if you're anything like me, you probably don't have a lot of trust for stuff going on. Like we see inflation rates go going up, yet the Fed just announced that everything's fine and the economy is strong. I don't know if that bothers you. If it does, how do you react to that? What's your views on that? And how are you adjusting your investing accordingly? Yeah, of course. So I, I think one thing to keep in mind is that uh, in a market like this, I do keep a little bit more cash on hand. Uh, I did sell one of my properties recently, and I think probably we'll see what happens in the future, but I would probably say closer to the top of the market um, now that inventory is kind of sitting around. And I used a lot of that cash to continue to drip into the stock market. Um, I put a little bit into to crypto, and then I, I did put uh, a bit into my high-yield savings. The, the silver lining to... It, the inflation and the rising interest rates is that your high yield savings go up. Um, so I think at this point, 4.4 for for Ally, 5% for Wealthfront. I just got an email on it too. Um, but you have to spread out your money because of the $250,000 FDIC uh, insurance. But even then, to maybe further that that answer, Austin is... Uh, probably why I'm I'm careful with where my money goes too, is because we just saw all the banks shut down and people took. I mean, people probably still don't have their money, um, and yet they are insured up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So that's just it's crazy to to think of that, but it's probably a little better to keep stuff on hand, and at least that's what I try to do to mitigate some of that. So your solution is to mainly keep more cash, I guess, to be ready for investment opportunities that come and make sure you're fully spread out across the minimums. Yeah, 100%. I, th I think uh, having a little more cash, but then also don't be afraid to continue to invest. Even from the beginning of what our conversation was, is understanding the metrics and what you're looking for. Um, and then drip drip into those those stocks. So obviously, I wanted to bring bring you on to share your story because um, I know a lot of people um, have gotten into the investing world just over time. They have money. They want to put it to work. They just know, hey, I'm going to put it into stuff. And then um, they're kind of starting to explore the options market just because it's starting to make a big splash in news, right? Like we're hearing options everywhere and people are slowly starting to add it. So I wanted to hear how someone like you did that and what your plans mo moving forward were. So, I mean, you got you kind of got to sh share your story and explain how you do it. But is there any pieces of information for someone who, let's say, has an investing account now or maybe is starting to invest for them and their journey mainly in the stock world? Yeah, uh, tips would probably make sure that you do your due diligence on the actual stock that you're playing with and really probably don't go over three. And by three, I mean three that you're, you're trading options on. And this is for the beginner. And the only reason is because I was at that point and it was actually overwhelming because I also have a, a day job. So to pay attention to an actual like chalk, a chart and tickers all day long on your iPad and then having to jump back in and like close out if you think you're going to get absolutely crushed. It kind of plays on you all day. So do your research, get a general understanding. You don't have to be necessarily like Austin right off the bat, um, but d get an understanding and then uh, jump in with a, a couple of individual socks. If you already have a portfolio, start with the covered calls, make it, make it super easy to get going. And uh, I, I would say that's, that's probably one piece of advice. The other piece is, I, I think, really understand why you're trying to do it. And I think you 
you probably hear this all the time, Austin, or like anybody listening to podcasters is like, understand your why. I think it's really important and it's kind of cliche, but seriously understand why you're trying to actually put your money to work. Is it to make sure that you leave your W-2? Is it to just have extra income? What what are you trying to get accomplished? Because I think that's going to be sitting in the back of your head every single day. And then it also kind of probably changes what you're willing to accept in terms of losses and wins too. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I definitely want to hit on that first point. This is something that I say a lot, um, especially when you're starting, just pick one stock, just one stock. <laughs> and if you watch it and trade it, you'll do so much better than people who are trying to find 50 stocks every day. Um, anyways, that's awesome and great advice. Um, if people want to listen to you, or I should say read more from you, where should they find you? Yeah, of course. Uh, my personal brands, joshcalcanis.com, uh, Instagram and YouTube are pretty big for me there, but that's typically my pilot stuff. Uh, Josh CTV on YouTube and then uh, the website I just mentioned, Josh Calcanis on Instagram. Uh, the site that I'm the founder of right now, and if people are interested in writing and getting a revenue share on any other articles, it's called theinvestingcircle.com. Uh, the Investing Circle makes sense on Instagram. And both of those have a bunch of articles, both on options, investing, uh, stuff that's supposed to be relevant to the beginners, the guys that are experienced, and then of course, make a little bit of money doing it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on this podcast. I hope people learned a lot and I know they will. I've learned stuff from, from you. So that's awesome. Um, thank you again. And uh, yeah. Thanks, Austin. Appreciate it.